We turn in God's Word this evening. It's actually Revelation chapter 22. We'll be in chapter 21, but our scripture reading is going to be from Revelation chapter 22. Last book of the Bible, last chapter of Scripture. We hear then God speaking to us. Verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servant what soon must take place. Behold... I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. 
as far as the reading of God's breathed out word to us tonight. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words you have given us this evening. We pray that you will be Pastor Bob as he brings them to us, as he enlightens us and helps us to live this word that you have given us in our lives each day. We ask for your guidance and blessing as we go from here this day, as we will be prophets and priests in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So our text, or our focus tonight, is that 13th verse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now my guess is that many of you here tonight kind of understand what the Alpha and the Omega signify. But perhaps as age decreases, perhaps there are less and less individuals who actually understand what those two terms or titles or names of Jesus would indeed signify. So first of all, we want to look just briefly at the Greek letters themselves and just cover what, what is being placed before us in terms of the Greek language. Secondly, to note that there is an Old Testament connection here that these words that are spoken by Jesus, here I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, or the first and the last, the beginning and the end, are not new. These are not new expressions, but we find them indeed in the Old Testament. And then secondly, to look at how they are used in the book of Revelation, because there are four times when this expression of the Alpha and the Omega comes into play in the book of Revelation. And then from that, what message does that name, in particularly the Omega, what, what message does that give to you and I? And I would pray that this would indeed be an encouragement to you upon this evening. So first of all, the Greek letters, the Alpha. The Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. This is the small alpha. This is the large alpha. And you go, well, that's the letter A. You got it, okay? Very good. You've passed Greek 101, okay? It gets a little tougher along the way, okay? This is the Greek letter omega. It's a small Omega. If you capitalize the Omega, it looks like this. So in a Greek New Testament, the Alpha that we just read here in verse 13 would have begun with this letter. The Omega would have begun with this letter. And if you put them together... Sometimes you see this as a symbol of the Alpha and the Omega. Now, I'm dealing with uh, a seminary professor. I'm dealing with uh, my friend, Reverend Lubbers, and a few other folks in the audience tonight. So I'm going to leave the Greek behind Okay, uh, at that point. Except, you see, there, there is a message here. 
This isn't just, oh, isn't that interesting? No, God was sending a message in those particular letters because the alpha is the beginning, the first letter of the Greek alpha bet. You could probably guess what maybe the second letter is. It's called beta. Therefore, you have alpha, beta, alpha, bet. So, Alpha, first letter, omega, is the last letter. So when we read in the text, verse 13, I am the alpha, the A, and I am the omega, I am the first, and I am the last, I am the beginning, and I am the end. That comes to us because of the understanding of Alpha and Omega and of their role in the Greek language. In Hebrew, I'll really, the guys are probably going to la- really laugh about this one, okay? In Hebrew, the first letter is Aelf, and the last letter is Tau. So it doesn't work. See, when we come to this in the Old Testament, we won't read this because it was written in Hebrew. And and the Hebrew has different letters. So when when we think about the Holy Spirit inspiring John to write this, he wrote it in Greek. And, And it's for a particular reason. Because that Greek language is conveying a message. The Jewish rabbis said that when you use the expression or when you use an expression like the first and the last, the beginning and the end, it meant and everything in between. So it isn't just the first and the last in terms of being exclusive, it is meant to be inclusive. So it is from the first to the last and everything that is in between. Now there's kind of an interesting play that works upon this, right? Because John chapter one tells us that Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. So the word, if you think about it, is going to be everything from alpha to omega. The word. Jesus Christ is the word, the alpha, the omega, and everything in between who has now become flesh. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. So we have to understand that when we come to this text. We can't can't just look past the alpha and the omega aspect of it. That too is, is part of the word. But secondly, we need to see that, as I said before, this is nothing, this isn't something new, this kind of expression. Now, the words alpha and omega are new, but not the understanding of first and last. Let me take you back to the book of Isaiah. Go back with me to Isaiah chapter 44. And it's important that we note these because this this expression 
is used so rarely in Scripture that it's sort of like we don't read this over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There are only certain texts where this expression is used. So when, when, when it becomes so seldom used, it becomes even more interesting to think about what's the point? Why is God here? identifying himself? Why is God saying at this point, at this juncture, that I am the first and the last? So if you're in Isaiah chapter 44, we're going to be down at verse 6. But I'm going to begin at, at verse, excuse me, I'm in the wrong, now I turned the page wrong. Excuse me. I'm going to begin at verse 1. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call upon the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. And what point is God making? It comes in the next phrase. Besides me, there is no God. God is speaking to his people. They're going through, by the time you get to Isaiah chapter 44, some very difficult times. Babylon is rising in power. You've got Nebuchadnezzar. You've got all sorts of stuff going on. We know what's going to happen. Prophecies have been made. Babylon's going to come. They're going to come in judgment. They're going to take Israel away. They're going to be gone for 70 years. And yet God gives to Isaiah this powerful message that he comes to them and he says, look, I've chosen you, I love you, I care about you. That which you think is all hard and difficult, I'm going to turn around. But you need to know this. I am the first and I am the last. There is no other God. Why? Why, why now does he say that? Because he knows what the tendency of his people is. It was the tendency of Jacob of old. It was the tendency of Israel. It's the tendency of Judah. It's the tendency of you and I. That when hard and difficult times come, we begin looking over our shoulders for perhaps another rescuer. We begin thinking, is there someone else who can save us? This God thing doesn't seem to be working out. We're going through hard times. 
It doesn't seem like, like we're getting the deliverance that we think we deserve or that we think we should have. And maybe there's another God out there. Maybe there's another God out there. So God comes and he says, look, look, people, I am the first and the last, meaning I am eternal. I have no beginning. I have no end. There is no other divinity. That's it. Here's his message. I am the eternal one. I am the divine one. And there is no other. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why? Because there are no other gods. Stop looking over your shoulder. See, Jacob was always doing that, wasn't he? Right? Whenever he's traveling, he's looking over his shoulder. He's looking over his shoulder. What's Laban doing? He's looking over his shoulder. What's Esau doing? God says this saying, trust me. Trust me. I am the eternal one. There is no one else to trust. Note what follows. As you go down, starting in Verse 8, it's fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you're my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? There is no rock. I know not any. And then what does he do? Don't go down the foolish path of idolatry. So when we hear, now coming into the New Testament, when we hear coming into Revelation chapter 22, Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We have to understand what Jesus is saying in light of what the Father, what God has already spoken in Isaiah chapter 44 verse 6. Go with me to another text. Let's go to... Isaiah chapter 48, Isaiah chapter 48. All right, we're at verse 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. Now he's talking about the fact that they've been obstinate, stiff-necked. They need a savior. He speaks then of the fact that he is that one. Go with me to verse 9. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. 
My hand laid the foundations of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble, all of you, and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him and he shall perform his purpose on Babylon and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him and he will prosper in his way. God's promise of salvation. God's promise of deliverance. And God is saying, listen, I am the first and I am the end of this. I am the beginning of this covenant relationship. I am the end of this covenant relationship. And I am everything in between in terms of this relationship that you and I have. I am going to redeem you. Now go out there. Go out there. And proclaim my glory. See, the point of this second citation in Isaiah 48 is this. That we who are called by his name are the ones who are to go forth into this world. Proclaiming the one who is the first and the one who is the last. And the one who is everything in between. And God is saying, I know you're being refined. But I have a purpose and I have a plan to use you for my glory. Now place both of those texts, my friends. Take both of those texts and apply them to our lives today. We need to hear again from God himself. I am the first and I am the last. I am the beginning and I am the end. In terms of your salvation, yes. In terms of your calling, yes. But in terms of his working in this world and of his existence alone as the eternal divine God. But now we turn to the New Testament. So go with me to the book of Revelation. Now what happens is once it's in itself a message. Because we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to read this expression twice. We go to Revelation 21. We hear the expression again. And then we go to the last chapter. The first chapter and the last chapter. Include the phrase, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now my friends, the Holy Spirit doesn't just do things haphazardly. God's word is organized. The Holy Spirit is coming to John and he is inspiring John in the very first part of this book that you are writing. Make sure and include and write down that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. And when we turn to the last chapter, the Holy Spirit again inspires John to write, I am the Alpha 
and omega. So by their mere placements in the book, the Holy Spirit is speaking of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. But we also have to understand, do we not, the context of the book. Revelation is the last inspired book of Holy Scripture. And as the Holy Spirit is inspired, as he is inspiring John in the world, there's persecution, there's hardship, there's difficulty. John himself is sitting on an island, the island of Patmos. There isn't much there. Roman garrison. That was it. Prison. Confinement. The disciple who Jesus loved. Sitting in a prison. As he nears the end of his life. Looks pretty bleak. The Roman government certainly isn't bowing down to this Christ the Lord. There aren't new laws being passed. There isn't a wave going through and the Roman Senate is reforming things and things are getting so much better and life for Christians is going to just be blissful. Now it's turning really, really ugly. The pressure, the cooker is being turned up. Believers are being exposed as believers and suffering persecution as a result. So much so that the entire book of Revelation that is to be passed on to all of these churches is written in a way that they will understand, but the Romans most likely will not. That's its situation. Sounds somewhat familiar? And in the midst of that context, we have at the beginning and at the end of Revelation these words I am the Alpha and the Omega. Note Revelation 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Powerful words. Powerful words that remind us of who God is. Put it in the context of of Isaiah. Who is providing this? The Lord Almighty, the Eternal One, the One, the Only One. Not those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Greek and Roman gods. Not the Caesar who is worshipped as a god. There is only one eternal being. The Lord our God. But as we read further into Revelation chapter 1, go down to verse 17. 
This is after John has turned and sees this beautiful picture of Christ, this image of Christ, this appearance of Christ. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. You remember that from Isaiah? Fear not. I am the first and the last. The living one, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. I am the first and the last, John. Who does John see here? He knows. He knows this is his Lord. He knows this is Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus Christ has identified himself with God. It's interesting. You, you look this passage up, these two verses up in the Watchtower Society. They have some convoluted explanation as to why. Oh no, Jesus isn't saying at all, I am God. But they don't deal at all with Isaiah. Of course Jesus is saying, I am God. John, John, look at me. John, you know me. John, I am the first and the last. I am the divine one. I am the eternal one. There is no distinction amongst us in that regard. I am God, John. John, the one that you put your head Upon my breast, the one that you saw die, the one that you saw raised. John, I am God. Fear not, John. And really, my friends, that's all the message we really need to hear tonight, isn't it? The message from Jesus Christ who lays his right hand upon us and simply utters these words, fear not, I am the first and I am the last. But then you see, we come to the end of Revelation. We come to Revelation chapter 21. And we start with Revelation 21 with that vision of the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as the bride adorned, okay? And it speaks about the dwelling place of God as with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. All the former things passed away. Verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And this is interesting because in Revelation 1, the first quotation was from the Lord Almighty. The second quotation in Revelation chapter 1 was from Jesus Christ who is identifying himself as the one who is the Lord Almighty. Here again, Revelation 21, we have the Lord Almighty speaking and saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, when we go to Revelation 22, our text, now it is Christ again. Now Christ Jesus speaks again and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What's the message? 
hey, I'm something different than the Lord Almighty? No. What Jesus is saying to John as he closes all of these visions that he has had as, as he see, has seen human history, as it were, before his eyes. What is the closing message? The closing message comes from the Lord Almighty. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega. What is Jesus' final message to John? John, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the Lord God Almighty. You don't worship John a hapless savior. You don't worship an impotent king. You don't worship one with no authority. That's why we read Philippians chapter 2, right? All authority has been given to him. He is the one who is Lord of lords and King of kings. He has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Jesus comes in the closing chapter to John, to the church of that day, to you and I, speaking into the context of the world in which we live in, the new normal of our society, of our culture. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. What does that mean? Maybe you've grasped a little bit of it, but let me give you four things, four things to take away from that statement of Jesus as an encouragement for today. One, it means that Jesus is first and last in our salvation. Book of Hebrews tells us he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Salvation by a cross isn't our idea. See, that's the wonderful thing when I go back to the, the point this morning about our Father loves beyond our sinfulness. You know what we as earthly fathers often do when our kids mess up? We say, now figure it out. You figure out how you get out of this mess. Now, it isn't a bad training. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But this is the way we respond. Somebody does something wrong and we say, you figure out how you're going to get out of this. Come on, come up with a plan. Our heavenly father doesn't do that. He doesn't come to Adam and Eve and say, okay, you guys really messed up. Give me your best option. What do you think you ought to do? Let me see. He comes to them. He says, I have a plan. Because salvation is not our idea. We run and hide. God comes. And he plans. He purposes our salvation. And he will fully accomplish that salvation as well. He is the finisher. He is the alpha and the omega of our salvation. Secondly, Jesus is the first and last in the church. This is his position. He is the first and the last. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible, Colossians 3, 16, Colossians 2, was it? 
He is the 116. He is the head of the church. He's the head. But he is also the one who gave his life as a ransom. He is also the one who wore the towel. He is the one also who came to serve. He is also the one who humbled himself, even to death on a cross. Philippians 2, our call to worship. He is the first and last in the church. You want to see the one who is the head of the church? Look to Christ. You want to see the one who is the servant of the church? Look to Christ. He is the first and he is the last. But he is also the first and the last in history, isn't he? He is the one who has called this world into existence. He spoke the word. Jesus Christ created this world. And when Jesus Christ comes again, he will destroy it. He, he. I want you to listen very carefully. It will not be through alien invasion that this world is destroyed. You're going to start hearing that. That's going to be pumped and pumped and pumped. Aliens will not destroy this world. Jesus Christ is the Omega, He will come. And this world will be brought to an end by his coming, by his appearing. It's not going to become through a hole in the ozone. Jesus Christ is the Omega. Live, live knowing that glorious truth. Live knowing it's your Lord and Savior who is coming for you. And this world, this universe, will not face its destruction until Jesus Christ has come for you. He is the beginning and he is the end of history. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. And you see, that's what he's to be in our lives. That's what he is to be, the first and the last. Now remember the understanding and everything in between. He is to be the one who fills our lives. He is to be the one that we seek to honor and glorify. That's what Paul is after in Colossians chapter 3 over and over and over again. That our lives are to be lived for the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In other words, our lives are to be Christ. And for Christ alone. It is no wonder that the Spirit and the church, the bride, cry, Ah, oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. We desire, we desire the Alpha and the Omega to come to take us.
to be with him forever. Where Christ is all and in all. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. It's a name. It's the name of a Greek letter that you applied to yourself and that Jesus Christ applies to himself. What glorious comfort and peace we can take away from the fact that you are Alpha and Omega. In him, we live and move and have our being. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.